So as we said before, the, the exodus is our story. We may not literally have been enslaved in Egypt. We may not literally have been rescued out by God through the Red Sea waters. We may not have been guided through the wilderness then for 40 years, but the story is still ours. The story still plays out in our lives every single day. See, what I believe is that Jesus didn't just come to punch your ticket to heaven one day. Jesus didn't just come to do something that will happen off in the future that has nothing to do with your present. But that Jesus came to transform you. Jesus came to make you new and to bring wholeness into your life, to rescue you out of your own Egypt, guide you through the wilderness toward God's promised land. That Jesus wants to bring peace and rest, beauty and flourishing. That Jesus wants to change your life, that it might be fully alive. But I also believe that too many of us, especially us Christians, have settled for life in Egypt. That we've grown resigned to life as it is. That we don't believe anything could change and wouldn't know where to start even if we did. Or that we've tried once or twice or maybe even a hundred times. That we've cried out to God for help but never made it more than a few days into the wilderness before turning back to Egypt. And that's why I want to look at the story of the Exodus with you. Because I believe that it gives us some signposts for our own journeys. Those journeys won't be quick. They won't be easy. There's no ten simple steps for this. But I do believe that Jesus wants to transform you, to make you new and whole, and that that is actually possible. In the weeks to come, we're going to find markers for our own journeys. We'll get to think about where we are, about where God might be calling us out of, about what might be possible, and about how to persevere on the journey. One of the things I want to plug before we get started are the pilgrim groups that we're forming for these next six weeks to make this journey together. They're groups that will meet weekly throughout the season of Lent, starting this week all the way through the next six weeks. They'll meet for about an hour. We've made some guidebooks that are in the back. There are groups you can sign up for. We'll direct our conversation to go a little bit deeper after the sermons each Sunday. There'll be places where you can dive more deeply together. There'll be places where you can wonder about what God aims to do in your life and to find some support and encouragement, help as you make your way along. There's a group that starts at 1045 this morning right over in the memorial room in the other building that you can join. I do truly hope that you join one of these groups because I believe that the journey of following Jesus is too difficult to make simply on our own. That we need one another if we're going to hear God's voice and then persevere in following. There are some sign-up sheets, as I said, that I believe are in the back. They'll be at coffee hour too when the service is done. So I hope you join Are you ready to begin the journey? Okay, then do whatever you need to do to listen well to these words from the book that burns but is never burned up.
Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert, and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. And Moses saw the bush was in flames, but that it was not burned up. Then Moses said to himself, Let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. And when the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I'm here. And the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. And I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and broad land, a land that is full of milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites all live. Now, The Israelites' cries of injustice have reached me. I've seen how much the Egyptians have oppressed them. So get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you, and this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. What I love about this story is that here is God just showing up, seemingly out of nowhere. And God shows up out of nowhere to this guy named Moses. Moses, who had run away from Egypt where he'd been raised in the very court of Pharaoh, though he was an Israelite himself, who had run away from his people and from that life, who was living out in the wilderness, tending sheep and doing his best to forget who he was and where he had come from. Until the day when God shows up in a way he can't deny, and in a way that will change the course of his life forever. And God shows up and says, I've heard the cries of my people who are in Egypt. Israel, God's people, Moses' people, were crying out in slavery in Egypt. They were suffering mightily under their slave masters and could see no way out. One of the first things to know about Egypt, though, is that Egypt wasn't always a place of slavery. When the people of God first came into Egypt, they came to find refuge. They came for safety. They came for food, actually, in the middle of a famine. They came to survive. 
And the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob found Egypt to be a place of flourishing. If you read the end of the book of Genesis, the beginning of the book of Exodus, you'll find that the people of God thrived in Egypt. That was just no longer the case. Now the place that had been a refuge has become a prison cell, a life sentence. And the people cried out under the weight of their bondage, hopeless of any escape. And this is also one of the first things we need to learn about our own Exodus journeys. That our story starts in that same place. We aren't literally enslaved, thankfully, but we still experience bondage. We feel stuck. It's a vague feeling, but it's there. We feel stuck. Or we feel like we're trapped in a hamster wheel that goes around and around and around, but doesn't go anywhere. Or we're slaves to image, to appearance, to substances or relationships, to compulsive behaviors or abusive systems. We're stuck. But these places where we're so stuck haven't always been that. They began with great promise, just like Israel. At the heart are good and healthy desires, desires God has placed within us. It's just that over time they've been twisted into taskmasters. Maybe it began as a good and healthy desire for safety. But over time, you learn that in order to be safe in relationships, you couldn't be fully yourself or fully vulnerable. Maybe you were wounded. Maybe someone hurt you deeply when you shared something about yourself. And so you learned that to stay safe in the future, you couldn't share all of yourself with other people. You had to keep parts of yourself hidden. And what began as a way to stay safe has become now a pattern You lament that your relationships lack depth, that you don't feel known by those whom you love. And you become frustrated that others don't give you what you need in those relationships. And the more you're hurt, then the more you step back. The more you step back, the more you're hurt. So the more you step back. And the very thing that once kept you safe is what keeps you locked in unhealthy patterns in these closest relationships. Or maybe it was that early in life you tasted the praise of those whom you looked up to and loved, which is a great thing. But over time you internalized a story where you needed to perform and to be perfect or those around you would never love you. And now your perfectionism, which can be a gift is also crippling you. Or maybe it was that good and God-given desire for intimacy in relationships that has found an easier outlet. And you've fallen into the habit of short-circuiting it with pornography or another relationship. And now you're locked into this habit that can never really satisfy, leaves you only wanting more, but just leads you right back in. Or maybe it was a good desire to help other people. What could be better than that? 
But the more you help, the more you found other people need your help. The more you do for others, the more they seem to need you to do for them. And so you're beginning to resent it. And you keep helping, because what else would you do? But underneath the surface, there is bitterness and exhaustion teeming. Maybe it was a desire to succeed, to make your mark in the world that's become a taskmaster. That even after experiencing success, you are desperately afraid that you may actually just be a failure. So you work harder and harder and harder to keep that voice at bay. But the harder you work, the louder it seems to become. Or maybe it's a desire for rest. We were created for a rhythm of working and resting, but stuck now in a hamster wheel as a workaholic or in a tornado of busyness in which we all seem to live, you're looking for any opportunity to just check out, to escape, to numb. And so eventually, you turn to a drink, or two, or something worse or a Netflix binge, or the black hole of a smartphone. And then filled with that guilt and the time you've wasted, you plunge back into the work to begin the whole cycle over again. The very thing that once helped you grow and flourish has become a taskmaster. And now you're stuck in Egypt. You're enslaved and maybe even resigned to anything ever-changing We know there's something wrong. We can sense it. We feel stuck. We feel there's something. And in those moments when we actually give ourselves space to sit with ourselves, we feel the ache. We feel the tug. We feel the dis-ease. But what would freedom even look like? Though I haven't seen it in years, one of my favorite movies of all time is Shawshank Redemption. Morgan Freeman's character, Red, has a great line about what prison does to you. He says, these walls are funny. First you hate them. Then you get used to them. Enough time passes, you get so you depend on them. That's institutionalized. They send you here for life, and that's exactly what they take, the part that counts anyway. Could it be that we've become institutionalized to this world, to Egypt, to our own brokenness? That the very things we took on to stay safe have become the walls that now keep us stuck, and that we've actually come to depend on them, on our coping mechanisms, on our survival strategies, and that while we groan and cry out and feel trapped, How could we give up the very things that we believe are keeping us safe? We know there's something wrong. But we can hardly begin to envision what it might look like for life to be different. We look at Egypt with these mixed emotions. It is both a place of refuge and a place of enslavement. And it's into that story that God shows up. Appearing in this bush that's burning but won't burn up. 
drawing Moses aside, speaking to Moses and telling Moses of all God intends to do. I've come down to rescue my people from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and to bring them to a good and a broad land, a land full of milk and honey, God says. God speaks. God comes down from heaven. God steps into our story and says, I've heard their cries. More than that, I know their pain. God comes and finds us in our slavery and in our bondage. God then speaks a vision of hope to a people who are resigned to slavery. And God sends Moses to deliver it. For many of us, the journey actually starts there. The walking begins there when a Moses shows up and invites us into something we hadn't quite dared dream would be possible. We need someone to wake us up, to call us out of our slavery and cast a vision of hope, a vision of what God wants to do in us and in the world. Because the truth is that we'll never leave Egypt We'll never set out on this journey with God. We'll never take even a step until we believe something else is actually possible. We need a Moses. We need someone to cast a vision of hope. To speak that hope out loud when we're afraid to do it ourselves. To say, this is what God is going to do. We need a Moses for ourselves. But just as much so, the world needs a community of Moseses. A community of people who can deliver God's vision of hope to a world that is lost and trapped and enslaved. A people who can say, God knows where you are. God has heard your cries. And God is going to bring you out. Come, let me show you the way. The world needs the church to be a place of transformation where God is changing lives and making people new, where we're seeing what God is calling us into, leaving slavery behind, journeying through the wilderness and telling people about it. Where do you need a burning bush moment this week? Where do you need to see and to hear God's vision of hope in your life? Where do you need someone to step in and proclaim the hope of the Lord to you? Where are you stuck, resigned, feeling trapped? I want to invite you this morning to hear God's voice calling you out of Egypt, speaking a hope you have maybe given up on, you maybe hadn't dared dream. Hear the God who comes to say, I've seen your oppression. I've seen and heard the cries of your injustice. I know your pain. And I've come down to rescue you. Hear this morning the God who says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Who proclaims, see, I'm making all things new. To the God who gathers us at his table who offers us here a vision of freedom and wholeness, of shalom in the kingdom of God, and who gives us here the bread and the cup to sustain us on the long journey to freedom still to come. 
If you need to hear God's hope this morning, if you need to taste God's hope this morning, then come with me to the table.